This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hey, basketball fans. It's LaChina Robinson, your host of ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we are gearing up for a fun and exciting NCAA tournament. We hope you will be watching Selection Monday show tonight, 7 p.m., Basically, we want you to have a little insight into what you can expect to see from some of the teams across various conferences from the voices who covered the conference tournaments and championships. Now, some of these teams you will hear about today, Idaho State, Marist, USF, Stony Brook, are automatic qualifiers that you may not have heard a lot about during the season, but don't worry, we got you covered. We've enlisted a few friends and some of the best analysts in play-by-play in women's basketball to share with us just a quick couple of minutes of what we may see in Texas. Tarika, tell the fans who will be sharing their insight with us. Absolutely, LaChina. So representing the American East Conference is women's basketball analyst Brooke Weisbrod. From the American Conference, we're going to have analyst Christy Thomas-Guddy. Uh, telling us about the ACC, we have ACC Network's Monica McNutt. Giving us some insight on UConn out the Big East, we have the Athletics' Charlotte Carroll. And from the Big Ten, our friend and homegirl women's basketball analyst Christy Winter-Scott. Giving us some updates from the Big 12, of course, is Big 12 specialist and women's basketball analyst Brenda Van Lingen. Coming from the Big Sky, we have Director of Broadcast and Digital Media, Mariluz Cook, giving us an update out the MAC. And by MAC, we mean the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, is our good friend ESPN play-by-play announcer, Tiffany Green. Pac-12, of course, is women's basketball analyst and writer, Michelle Smith-McDonald. From the SEC, women basketball analyst and national champion, Carolyn Peck. And giving us an update from the West Coast Conference is our friend, women's basketball analyst, Andrea Carter. I'm excited to hear these updates from our friends. And so without further ado, let's get started with Brooke. Brooke, take it away. What a win for the Stony Brook Seawolves, who captured the America East Championship by their 64-60 win over Maine in the title game. Stony Brook stopped a 12-game home win streak against Maine on their home floor, and what a win it was. Well, first let's break this one down and also give you a preview about the Seawolves headed into the NCAA tournament. To start with the Seawolves in this game, you got to start with the buckets that Annie Warren got. And we're actually going to call her Annie Buckets from now on, okay? Want to know why? Because Annie Buckets dropped 31 points in the championship game. Yeah, four threes. She was 11 of 18, just had an incredible performance and really picked up for where her fellow backcourt mate, Asia Dingle, got into foul trouble early on in the game. But Dingle, who was able to respond in the second half with minutes and played with an incredible fury, ended up putting 20 up on the game herself, also made 10 shots from the floor. No threes, didn't have to. Asia Dingle gets in the paint. She's tough off the drive. She can finish. And what an incredible story for Asia Dingle, who lost her father this year in December and then comes back through not only to finish the season, but to get her team to a championship and win. Getting to the NCAA tournament for the first time, what a story, what a performance by Asia Dingle. She also got some incredible help on the inside by Haley Zeiss, who only had three points, but took some big time charges and made some big time blocks, okay? Haley Zeiss is one of their bigs who can complement the play of Annie Warren and Asia Dingle. 
India Pagan is another big to watch out for. She's able to block shots. She moves well without the ball. And this Stony Brook team loves to play the defense, okay? They love to play team defense. They love to force you into tough shots. They want to play tough, and they want to own the glass. So this is a team going into the NCAA tournament that is feeling confident and playing behind their coach who has a great story in Coach McCombs, who's now taken yet another team to the NCAA tournament. Congratulations, Caroline McCombs and the Stony Brook Seawolves. Hey there, basketball fans. This is Christy Thomas, Scotty. I had the pleasure of calling all the games in the American tournament last week. Winner, USF, cutting down the nets for the first time ever of the American tournament. And I got to tell you, honestly, I'm not sure that there was a team that had more question marks surrounding it entering a finals contest. They had lost two of their last three of the regular season, struggled in their first two opening round games. It was really defensive Big plays down the stretch to propel them to the championship, but they shot out like gangbusters. The USF that we're accustomed to watching was on full display in the first half against the war on I-4 rival UCF, a very defensive-minded team, and they were led by Sidney Harvey, who was so hot from deep in that game. But for anyone who has followed this USF team, you know it's balance. It is about doing what they do well, and that's defend and holding teams to one shot. And that's really what USF did for the majority of the, the, the entire final game. Turned the ball over a little bit down the stretch, which made the margin of victory much smaller than I'm sure Jose Fernandez was happy with. But they had great balance scoring. Aliza Pinzon stepped up big. Elena Chaneka had a huge second half. Sydney Harvey was deadly from deep and missed double-double herself. Betty Munonga continued to be a beast on both the offensive and defensive glass. But I'll also say the unsung hero throughout the tournament was probably Shea Leverett, their starting post player who defends, rebounds, and is just consistent. If the offense is flowing for USF this week in Texas. This is a very dangerous team. We've always known they could score. They run so many, they have so many reads off of their quick hitters, but it was their defense that truly propelled the Bulls to their first American tournament championship. They were locked down. They took three charges in the first half against UCF. This is a balanced team, has a bench, can defend, can score. Look out for the Bulls in San Antonio. Monica McNutt, ACC Women's Basketball Tournament Recap. Y'all need to put some respect on the NC State Wolfpack. That's what happened in the ACC Tournament. For the life of me, I still don't understand why they don't have a one seed when they beat both South Carolina and Louisville, South Carolina in particular as a one seed, on the road this season. They continued to show grit. They continued to show tremendous poise. We know about Alyssa Kunain, who is phenomenal and was tournament MVP. But Kai Crutchfield, Kayla Jones, the two seniors who are seasoned and poised, they lead the way for the Wolfpack. And then Reina Perez hit what was ultimately the game winner in the championship game, the transfer. This entire team is clicking just right. They've got two incredible sophomores and in Jada Boyd and Jakia Brown-Turner 
as a unit, they have so much grit. They were down in the fourth or heading into the fourth quarter, rather, rather, both in the semifinal matchup and the final matchup. And no matter for them, they came back and responded in a big time way. Now, as far as ACC goes in general, you definitely still have to watch out for Dana Evans and the Louisville Cardinals. I thought Olivia Cochran played some of her best basketball in the finals matchup against Alyssa Kunane. She only had eight points, but she showed a willingness to be physical and to crash the glass. Haley Van Lith had an outburst in their opening game for 24 points, I believe. So if she's clicking, Kiana Smith was scoring the basketball again. Norika Kona was hitting some big baskets. I like this Louisville team to get it going at just the right time. Two dark horses out of the ACC you got to look out for. Georgia Tech, they played textbook, perfect, flawless defense against NC State. But NC State just has a little bit too much talent and a little too much experience in the big time games. Watch out for Georgia Tech. Watch out for Virginia Tech as well. And my sleeper, I believe they should be in, Wake Forest. They play a style of basketball that might have some people guessing. Well, in particular, Ivana Ross's European style and Gina Conti's ability to hit big shots and the freshman Jules Spear coming on at just the right time. That's the recap from the ACC tournament. North Carolina State is the real deal, man. You heard it here first. We want a lot of these. I don't know how many. I'm sure somebody will bring it up. How many of these? I don't, I don't remember quite a... Um, quite a spontaneous and joyful celebration like these kids had. Um, it's great to be young. You know, these, these young kids that have come in and really they've, um, they, they've reinvigorated um, everyone associated with our program. They, they, they are just really unique kids. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy for them. You know, my life doesn't change that much, you know, winning another championship. But my life was changed tonight because, of, because I, I got a chance to see the way they celebrated. That was, worth, that was worth waiting six months for. Hi, everyone. This is Charlotte Carroll, and I'm a staff writer with The Athletic covering UConn basketball. After UConn won its 19th Big East Tournament Championship, here's what to watch for as the Huskies head into the NCAA Tournament. So for me, the biggest question will be the team's youth. There are no seniors on the roster and only three juniors, but there are seven freshmen. Yet this hasn't proved detrimental so far. In fact, Coach Gino Oriyama said the group has reinvigorated everyone associated with the program. UConn lost just one game this season, and they've been having fun, taking the time to really celebrate the tournament's win. While the group wasn't overwhelmed by the conference tournament, there's sure to be some natural nerves in Texas. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this roster handles the pressure on the big stage for the first time. And yet you can't talk about youth without mentioning Paige Beckers. The freshman sensation leads UConn in scoring, assists, and steals in a team-high 35.8 minutes a game. She was the biggest player of the year and the tournament's most outstanding player. But what's most impressive to me is her confidence in big moments. She returned from an ankle injury to help UConn pass Tennessee in the final minutes. Then, in February, she hit an overtime dagger against South Carolina in a number one versus number two showdown. She hasn't shied away from the big moments, and while she's naturally a more pass-first player, she's stepped up to take shots when needed. So her tournament debut is highly anticipated, and it will be fun to see how she starts to build her UConn legacy, which we know moments are made in March rather than throughout the regular season. So next to Paige, freshman Nika Mule has moved into the starting lineup as an unafraid pass-first and defensively skilled guard. 
Rookie Aaliyah Edwards was named the league's sixth woman of the year, and she's an athletic presence in the paint to complement junior Olivia nelson Adota, who's become such a stabilizing force there. Another key to the group is Kristen Williams, who's at her best when she's not forcing things. She's letting the game come more naturally to her now and is coming off such a big Big East tournament performance, so that should be exciting to watch. This group is really playing its best and most complete basketball of the season, so the postseason is exciting to look ahead to. Well, Maryland won back-to-back Big Ten tournament titles, and they are primed for either a one or a two seed in tonight's selection Monday. How many Big Ten teams will get into the tournament? That is the question asked by many. But if you ask me, I believe that at least seven teams from the Big Ten would be able to get into this year's NCAA tournament. The Big Ten against the net top 25 is very competitive with other conferences in that metric. So you have to make sure that everything is fine-tooth combed when it comes to the consistent excellence of the Big Ten Conference. Two top scoring teams in the country, in Maryland and Iowa. Five of the top shooting percentage teams in the top 20. You have to consider the efficiency. You also have to consider the defensive metrics when you're talking about teams like Indiana, when you're talking about teams like Rutgers. But it's so balanced that it's going to be hard to leave anyone out of this group. I believe that Maryland could earn a one seed because of their full body of work and their long stretch of wins down the stretch headed into the championship game for the Big Ten tournament, but it remains to be seen. A two-seed isn't bad, but a one-seed is better, and I believe that Maryland has done enough to receive a one-seed. And who do you take off that one line? I'm not sure, so I'm glad I'm not doing that part of the selection, but it will be interesting to see if they will put Maryland on that one line and move some other teams around. Uh, maybe Texas A&M is the team that comes off that one line. But we'll, we'll see. And it's super exciting. Tonight at 7, we'll see who will go where um, in terms of seedings. We know where the location will be. Uh, San Antonio, Texas, looking forward to a fantastic NCAA tournament. Since last year, we did not have the opportunity to watch these elite young women perform in their purpose. But that's it for now. Christy Winter-Scott signing off for the Big Ten Network. Hey, LaChina and Tarika. It's Brenda Van Lingen, and I'm here to report on the Big 12 Conference. I was on the ESPN broadcasts of the Big 12 Tournament this past week, and no surprise, Baylor won the championship again this year. And we're expecting five teams and the possibility of six to go to the NCAA tournament. So I'll give you a quick overview of what to expect from the Big 12. Uh, first of all, Baylor has the Big 12 Player of the Year and a strong national candidate for National Player of the Year, Nalissa Smith. Uh, she can just fly above everyone and score at the rim like no one in the country. And as a team, they're 
extremely tough defensively with last year's National Defensive Player of the Year, D.D. Richards, along with Queen Egbo at the back of the defense, big strong post player, five block shots in the Big 12 tournament final. West Virginia was the Big 12 runner-up. Kaiser Gondrzic is their talented guard who scores over 20 points and dishes out about four and a half assists per game. And they're a tough defensive team that can put a lot of points on the board offensively when they're rested, but they finished the season with seven games away from home, and they look tired in the Big 12 final. They'll have time to rest up before the NCAA tournament, though. Oklahoma State, the third team, they have the best shot blocker in the country, Natasha Mack at 6'4". Um, And then they have the best three-point shooter by percentage in the Big 12. 45% from beyond the arc is Jamie Asbury. Iowa State has the top scorer in the Big 12, Ashley Jones, who is an incredibly creative scorer, scores in so many different ways, 23 points a game. And as a team, Iowa State makes 10 three-pointers per game on average. Texas, under new head coach Vic Schaefer, they'll bring the pressure defense full court and feature the possible number one pick in the WNBA draft, 6'5", Charlie Collier. And if the sixth team gets in, that's Oklahoma, they're on the bubble. If they make it, they'll be a tough matchup for a lot of teams because they've got a five-guard lineup. They feature playmaking guard Maddie Williams and three-point sharpshooter Taylor Robertson. So that's a look at the Big 12 Conference and what you can expect to see in the NCAA tournament. Mary Lou's Cook, Director of Broadcast and Digital Media for the Big Sky Conference here. The Idaho State Bengals are advancing to the NCAA tournament, riding the momentum of a completely dominant season. At one point, Idaho State boasted 14 consecutive victories, and out of 17 league outings this season, the Bengals only fell on two occasions, earning them the league's regular season title. Now, it was a 35-point margin of victory in the Big Sky Conference Championship over in-state rival Idaho, the league's top offensive team, that earned them this trip to the big dance. Now, Bengals players don't individually average high in scoring, but it's a testament to the way the team shares the ball. As a balanced scoring attack, as well as an artillery of assets on both sides of the floor, are at the helm of their success. The team, coached by Big Sky co-coach of the year, Seton Sabaluski, is physical, skilled, and notorious for finding energy from defense. Now, you're going to want to keep an eye out for Estefania Orr's conference tournament MVP. She was the shooter who fueled the offensive fire in the conference championship, scoring 13 of the Bengals' first 15 points in the first quarter. When I asked Estefania what worked so well for her team, she told me it was team chemistry. The bonds that the women on this team share both on and off the court are unlike any others I've ever seen. Their strong relationship and encouragement of one another is one that clearly trademarks their program and will lead them into continued success. What's up, everybody? I'm Tiffany Green, ESPN play-by-play announcer. I had the opportunity to call the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference Championship. And here's what you need to know about the automatic qualifier Marist. First and foremost, the Red Foxes didn't sneak up on anybody in the MAC. That's because they have long been the conference perennial power, winning a league best 13 MAC titles. But they do hope to catch someone napping in that first round as they advance to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014. So let me fill you in on the three things you need to watch for. 
Willow and Weimer. Willow Duffel and Caitlin Weimer have been an awesome pair in the post. Weimer, the Mac Rookie of the Year, is coming off a career-best six-block performance in the championship game over St. Peter's, and and she's a rim protector and and can work on the block. I mean, Weimer, you know, told us after the game that. It's the two seniors that made her better, Allie Best and Willow Duffel. And Willow can take some credit of that because the senior forward works as the other half of the tag team duo down low. Her versatility allows her to also stretch the floor. She can play multiple positions and is Maris's second leading scorer. So it's not often that the Red Foxes have a true two-post threat. But since they do, they're like, we're just going to make it do what it do, baby. How about the role of the underdog? Despite historically being the most dominant program in the MAC, it's been about seven years since they last went to the dance. So when you look at Maris, they graduated 75% of their scoring and had a handful of seniors exit the program. Now they're picked to finish fourth in the preseason, and the Red Foxes played like, so what? The results have worked out in their favor so far, so, you know, what? why not keep the party going? Lastly, Brian George's motion offense. He is the MAC Coach of the Year for the eighth time, and the Red Foxes have learned to keep their opponents chasing them and, and really chasing after their tail, if you will, because they never stop moving, right? Constantly screening and cutting, and that's the beauty of the motion offense. Maris is not going to overwhelm you or beat you over the head with star power, but what they do is rely on all five to play their role, to play inside their system. And that, to me, is one of the things that's going to make them a difficult team moving forward because you just don't key on one. You got to watch out for all. So good luck to the Maris Red Foxes and all participating in the NCAA tournament. Good luck. Hey there, everybody. It is great to be with you. This is Michelle Smith from Pac-12.com. And let's talk a little bit about what happened in the just completed Pac-12 tournament and its implications for the upcoming NCAA tournament. So what did we learn? Uh, I think we learned that Stanford at this point is built for a title run. They are healthy. They are deep. They have played as many games as any team in the country. They've played 27 games this season. Um, and I think no one's better positioned for a lockdown stay in Texas than Stanford because they spent nine weeks of this season on the road. Also, you've got Kiana Williams, a San Antonio native who is so motivated to take her team to a title in her hometown. And when Kiana Williams is motivated, she can be the best player in the country. Um, so let's move to Arizona. Arizona is going to be in the tournament for the first time since 2005. They would have obviously been in last year's tournament. Um, were it not for COVID, the COVID cancellation, but Ari McDonald is in her final weeks as a Wildcat in her amazing career there. And I think that they have high hopes that they're gonna be able to make some noise as well. UCLA, UCLA needs a little time to rest, it looks like. Um, they had some players banged up in that final game against Stanford. At one point, Mikhail Onyenwere, Charisma Osborne, and Lauren Miller were all out of the game. I think that contributed to the struggles that they had against the Cardinal. But they are um, a team with talent and experience and very little room for error because of their depth. An injury or foul trouble is going to mean trouble for the Bruins. So let's hope that they have some time to rest and get healthy before the tournament run starts because if they are healthy and in good shape, they are a really tough team. Oregon. Oregon, um, you know, this time last year, Oregon looked like a national title contender before the cancellation. And this year, Oregon needs to rediscover its momentum. 
The uh, Ducks had lost five of six games heading into the NCAA tournament, including a one-game exit in the Pac-12 tournament when they lost to Oregon State for the second game in a row. And I think the biggest question mark for the Ducks at this point is how they're going to move forward without their freshman point guard, Tahina Pow-Pow, who has a foot injury and is probably not going to be back in time for the NCAA tournament. So they are going to have to make some adjustments in the backcourt and also just rediscover a little of their mojo before they head into tournament play. Oregon State, speaking of the team that beat Oregon last week in the Pac-12 tournament, they actually are interestingly in a really good position. They've won eight of 10 games heading into the tournament. They're shooting well. Their senior leader, Aliyah Goodman, is shooting well from three and has just got them rolling. And after a one and five start and a 29 day COVID pause, the Beavers are peaking at the right time. And I think they're gonna be a problem in the NCAA tournament. And I think the last of the six teams that, from the Pac-12 that we should expect to see in the tournament field is Washington State. And this will be the first tournament appearance for Washington State in 30 years, three decades since the Cougars have been the NCAA tournament. And that's largely because of freshman Charlize Ledger-Walker, who might have gotten some look for National Freshman of the Year, if not for Paige at UConn. But um, Washington State has been up and down. They've won some really good games against some of the top teams in the Pac-12, and they've played several overtime games. They're really battle-tested, and I think they're going to be a tough out, particularly, particularly if they come in at around a 10 seed, where I think um, our bracketologist friend Charlie Cream has them. I think they're also going to be um, a problem for some people, but they also don't have a lot of tournament experience. So we'll see how that plays out. That's a look from the Pac 12. See you soon, NCAA tournament. Can't wait till Selection Day. From the SEC, let's start with South Carolina. The SEC tournament champions that have played some of their best basketball as of late. South Carolina has gotten back to playing through Aaliyah Boston, and she has plenty of talent around her with the point guard of Destiny Henderson and Zia Cook. They're a strong rebounding team and a tough defensive team, and I believe that they could be a contender for a national championship. Another team from the SEC that I believe also could contend is Texas A&M. They are a strong, strong defensive team, they rebound extremely well, led by India Jones, who is that energizer, never quit, never stops on a rebound or a 50-50 play. They also have Jordan Nixon at the point who has become a terrific distributor, getting the ball in the right places at the right time, specifically to Aaliyah Wilson and Kayla Wells. So I think the Aggies are another team that definitely you have to keep an eye on. Tennessee. The Lady Vols, with their strong post presence inside with Cassie Keshketawa and Tamari Key, to now help out inside with the great talent of a Renaya Davis and a Ray Burrell, who have had tremendous years in the SEC. Hey, the Lady Vols could also have a deep run. The SEC is a very talented conference that could have seven, eight teams in the NCAA tournament and all could make a deep run. So important with baseline out of bounds. Townsend. Oh, she got it! They'll look at it. Of course, they'll look at it. Off the inbounds play, Jill Townsend. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's out of her hands. That's, that's out, out of her hands. Of her hands. Yeah. What yeah. a play. Over 
the outstretched arms of Hampson down low, Jill Townsend. The basket is officially good. Jill Townsend scores it with .6 seconds remaining, and Gonzaga wins it 43-42. to Andrea Carter here, women's basketball analyst in studio and in game with ESPN. And I'm going to talk about Gonzaga women's basketball out of the West Coast Conference. Where to even start? The Zags are just so tough. Coach Fortier has a tough, gritty team. When I asked her three words to describe her team, she said resilient, well-rounded and skilled. And those three words are absolutely accurate. They are led by co-conference player of the year, Jen Worth, who can face up. She's got finesse. She's got good size. She can score. She can rebound. Just an all-around player. Struggled offensively in the West Coast Conference Championship game and hung tough. Very, very impressed with her overall composure and just grittiness in that game. And Jill Townsend cannot say enough about the leadership the toughness and just the sheer will of Jill Townsend. She hit that last second shot over Sarah Hampson, who's 6'7", last second shot to win the championship game. I was just so impressed by the Zags. They are gonna be a tough out in the big dance because they play together, they play hard, and the team has absolutely no quit in them at all. They're very systematic on offense. They're not a one-on-one team. They score as a unit. They score together. Gritty and tough on the defensive end. They do have pretty good length and pretty good size as far as extending some full court pressure. I like the guards. They're two Trong sisters that I really enjoy. Love their energy. Leanne Worth, who is the twin sister of Jen Worth, also just adds a consistency and a steadiness to the team. Overall, very, very impressed by the Zags. Their fight, no quit, um, and, and just skilled, skilled players that I really, really am going to enjoy watching in the tournament because no matter what, I have no doubt that that team will not give up or quit in any game whatsoever. We hope you have enjoyed our tournament preview. We are excited to see what these teams are going to do. We know that this is going to be a unique season. We're here for all of it. We're here for the uniqueness. We're here to have some sense of normalcy back. We wish everyone the best of luck and continue to listen and support Around the Rim podcast. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. You can follow us on social media at Around the Rim Pod. LaChina is at LaChina Robinson. I'm at SheKnowsSports underscore. You can also send us an email at AroundTheRimPodcast at gmail.com. Rate, subscribe, follow. Just keep showing us love. We definitely appreciate it. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.